0: Hello,
1: everyone. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and I'm joined by my handsome co-host and husband, Dewey Vaughn. Hi, Dewey.
2: Hi, my beautiful love. What a special time it is with you. And always with you, my love, and today...
1: And wait, wait, before we jump into that, I just wanted to tell listeners, because of today's topic, this is kind of a tell-all topic.
2: Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I
1: want to tell everybody, because not everybody knows how we how we record this. And um, so the way we do this is Dewey is actually sitting in a separate room. You know, it's not like what you normally see on radio shows where the two hosts are sitting side by side. We probably could have bought some extra equipment that would cut the reverb and stuff like that. But every time we try that, we get lots of echoes and picking up each other's audio. and And it just was technically more difficult than we chose to deal with. So Dewey is isolated in his office, and I'm in my office, and usually we have Pico out in the rest of the place without being with us, because, you know, trying to do anything on your computer with a cat is uh, is challenging, especially a kitten, but, um, but today, Pico is in uh, with Dewey, so um, if Dewey has technical difficulties, we'll all understand why. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there, because not everybody... You know, understands that we're not sitting side by side,
2: yeah. Or if you happen to hear the roar of a lying and a whip being whipped and a chair being chewed up, then that would be me keeping <laughs> Pico off of my laptop.
1: <laughs> that be Dewey attempting cat behavior work. <laughs> Remember, I still honey, am
2: stuck in the back. <laughs> Okay, so today we're going to be responding to a listener, which is really good. Always great to hear from our listeners, and we'd love to hear from you. If you have some ideas, please uh, send us out. But today's listener uh, asked Molly to tell some stories about her work, which is a great idea. And I have been trying to get her to do this for some time. So thank you, Mr. Lister.
1: Yeah, I... uh... I hate this. I'm sorry. Doug suggested this, and and I love you guys, but man, this is really hard on me. I'm terrible at this because anytime, anytime anybody asks me like, what's the most or what's the best, you know, and you've got to review lots of history. It's like my mind just floods with everything all together, and I can't isolate one, one thing, one incident. So it's very difficult for me. I I hate talking about myself too, but I could talk about cat stuff all day long. Like, you know, you invite us over to dinner and somebody brings it up. I usually won't bring it up, but if someone brings it up, oh my goodness, I'm really difficult to shut down. But, but this is hard. This is really hard.
2: You know, okay. So let's, let's do it this way. Then Molly, let's start with what you hear the most. What are the major issues you come in contact with, or you have, you know, talked about?
1: Yeah, okay, that's easy because that's talking about cats. So <laughs> I like to frame it like this. The three biggest things I get contacted about is pee and poop, blood and guts, and destruction. So basically that's cats not using the litter box, cat aggression, either to other cats or people, and scratching and chewing up things other than food. And then I get lots of contacts from cat owners who you just want to do better for their cat. And and that's, so those are fun too. Oh. You
2: know. Yeah, that I, I my I went my my mind went somewhere for a minute thinking about some of the things that you've talked about in the past. I don't know specifically, but I do recall you saying a few times some really funny uh, things. So what's one of the funniest consults you've had?
1: <laughs> well, w- one of the funniest consults I had was recently um, it was actually more embarrassing, but it it was funny. We had, um, you know, normally, if if I'm doing a consult, I'll be out in a room. You know that has a decent backdrop. We're usually in in the living room if I'm doing a virtual consultant. And usually Pico's bouncing around behind me, which is great, too. And I can pick up my laptop and show them things like Arcadio and and things like that and his litter boxes and and that sort of stuff. but but the other day, I had a consultant. We had, a lot of construction work being done and there was no way that I could be there with the noise they were jackhammering out concrete so i had to i had to have the consult in in the closet now when i say that don't don't picture little tiny closet what i designed this house 15 years ago and and i designed a a gigantic oddly shaped room with more hanging clothes space than you've ever seen in your entire life and room for like a little office, right? Because all I need is a desk and, you know, some storage and stuff like that. And so plenty of room in this closet for that. So I office in the closet and behind me are Dewey's clothes. And so I, I had this uh, this call And I I had to hang a sheet over his clothes, not so that it wouldn't look like I was in the closet because there was no way to to mask that, but because his underwear is stored behind me. And and I got to tell you, Dewey wears psychedelic colored underwear, <laughs> so wow. like neon orange <laughs> and neon green and hold you know, on. ultra hold blue on. and oh, hold and on. all this behind me. And I had to tell the girl that I said, you know, Whoa, I apologize wow. for the sheet. I'm trying to cover my husband's underwear. up
2: <laughs> well, uh, that's embarrassing for me and way, way <laughs> too much TMI for this audience. For a global radio broadcast. No <laughs> way to, does everybody need to know about my underwear selection. Like <laughs> <laughs> they're my selections. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they're cute, honey.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, good. You know, you know think like of I like green them <laughs> so, Hey, 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 hey. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> all right that was that was one that
1: was okay about cats so that that's that's just one recently and again it wasn't about cats it was just really funny about trying to do a consult but the other thing that's kind of funny in general universally funny is that your cats are very likely to stop doing whatever it is you've called me about the day before our consult I hear that all the time. <laughs> it's like taking your car to the mechanic. It stops making that weird noise, you know, the day you take it to the mechanic. I 90% of the calls I get on and, and things I go to, they go, well, you know, it's really actually gotten better in the last couple of days. <laughs> and I don't know whether those cats are just listening and more telepathic than we give them credit for them they go uh-oh the con- the consultants coming over the behavior i better act good i'll be all like i don't know what she's talking about i'm really well behaved i don't tear up that couch what are you talking about mom i'm i'm a princess you know and, and all of a sudden they start acting right right before i i get there and and can help you address your issues that's i, th- I think that's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, so tell us about some of your successes. That would help.
1: Well, you know, overall, overarching, the biggest success I have is keeping cats in the home because, you know, that's why I do this. Is, you know, bottom line is the majority of the people that I talk to say, I love my cat and I don't want anything, but I can't live with this anymore and i hate to think about giving him up but i'm gonna have to if he doesn't stop you know filling in the blank so anytime that i can prevent somebody from having to do that with their cat that that's the biggest success of all and and one of those that is just the nearest and dearest probably to my heart over all of them I take a lot of behavior cases from from shelter referrals and and the Dallas shelter services uh, a large low income area and and this woman came and brought her cat and was just devastated just distraught crying devastated saying that she had to surrender her cat had to get rid of her cat because her doctor told her she needed to because the cat was chewing through her oxygen cord at night and her oxygen levels were dropping and couldn't be sustained where he felt like they needed to be and he said you're gonna have to get rid of the cat it's like you live or you know and a cat goes <laughs> or a cat stays and you die basically and and they said you know thankfully at the intake desk they said you know let me just give you molly's card contact her see if she can help you with this before you have to give up your cat so she took her cat back home and she called me and she had a young cat you know was under a year old and lovely woman just just adorable and and she said you know he gets up there and he's chewing on my oxygen cord in the middle of the night and so we made some changes you know we made some changes to his feeding schedule so that he wouldn't be so active at night I taught her how to pray play with him so that she could wear out some of his excess energy and then we put together a, a deterrent and I had to find something that I could put on the oxygen cord that wouldn't be too heavy you know and that would that would deter the cat and you know a lot of vets and and other people will say things like oh spray it with you know bitter vinegar or spray it with white tabasco sauce on it and most of that stuff really doesn't work very well so i took aluminum foil strips and and wrapped them around the oxygen cord and it was light enough still that it it didn't affect it falling out of her nose and the cats won't won't bite through aluminum foil kind of like mice actually that that's a really good deterrent and uh, and she called me like three nights later and said oh my god you've saved my life and Buddy's too she said she was just so so happy and grateful she said you need to patent that (laughs) and and I told her I said you are so sweet but I don't think I can patent um, aluminum foil on an oxygen (laughs) core but that that by far is Um, you know keeping a cat absolutely in in his much loved home that was bringing such enrichment to this elderly woman that that was so touching and then you know the second kind of overarching success thing is keeping people happy with cats being in their home you know I had a client um, also in Dallas that had this gorgeous beautiful home and and they had Oh, they probably have eight or nine cats they rescue. So they had lots of rescue cats, and they love them all. And And they all have their own little quirks and, and things. But, you know, and they were definitely not going to give up any of their cats, no matter what. But they had cat pee going on like crazy. These cats were not using the litter boxes. And they had more than one plus number of cats. And they were they were done right. They were uncovered. They were, you know, and I was having a really hard time figuring out why aren't these cats using the litter boxes and the huge home. So they had lots of square footage and things like that. And in the living room, one of the predominant places that these cats were going was by the back wall. And it was like a glass wall that looked out into a, a lovely, lush backyard And as I'm sitting there talking to them, I look out and here's this black cat sitting like about 15, 20 feet away from the door. And I said, hey, wait a minute, who's that? And they said, oh, that's our neighbor cat. He comes over and and just watches and occasionally we will feed him. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, here is the source of your problem, because when indoor cats see cats outside, they think it's a territory invader showed up to get their stuff. So they'll start marking. They do what's natural. They mark the perimeter of their territory. And and it. And it just, all the things fell in place, and, and it was like, here's the problem. So we worked on ways to put deterrents on the fence to keep the neighbor cat out and uh, told him to stop feeding the neighbor cat. He's a neighbor cat. Let the neighbors feed their own cat. But it was, uh, I have a picture of it, actually. I'll, uh, I'll share when we post this this radio promo that is a picture of this Big glass back window. They have beautiful tall cat trees by the window and everything. And then you can see this cat sitting right outside just being quiet and and watching. So that, that, um, that certainly made those people a lot happier with their cats with them not peeing on so many things. And then the other overarching success category would be, you know, helping people to form closer bonds with their cats. And a good example of that would be our neighbor in Santa Fe, New Mexico, has had adopted a cat. She went to the local shelter here and she said, Give me the cat that's been here the longest. I I wanna, you know, don't really care that it's a lap cat. I don't have a lot of, you know, prerequisites. I just want a cat and I want to help a cat and my cat passed away and I now have an opening so give me the cat that needs the most help so she took the cat that had been there the longest and I you know working closely with cats in that shelter I'm not sure this cat's background but I think it was a feral cat and I'm not quite sure why the shelter kept him and maybe he was actually up for barn cat placement I don't know but very 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 shy unsocial cat and they said, and and by the way, he's been in a a colony room, and he's bonded with this other cat. And so she took both of them. And the other cat is actually fine and gorgeous, you know, long-haired Siamese looking gorgeous. but but Mr. Stripes is a a, a tabby, you know, you kind of run-of-the-mill beautiful, um tabby with a little white chest and nose. And so she started asking me to cat sit for them years ago. And I thought, you know, I'm going to make it a point to socialize this cat because nobody saw him, you know, he would, anybody, visitors come over, the cat would dive under the bed or run to another room. But, but even then, I think he'd been there probably four months before they really ever saw him. Sometimes they'd come in a room and catch him out and he would, you know, just run away and hide. And they, you know they were very respectful of him and his feelings in his space so they didn't go looking for him you know they let him hide if he felt like he was hiding so it was months and months and months before they really got to see him well i started doing clicker training with him and um and now he is so social you know i can come over and of course he comes right out and he's much more social with people in general and he'll do all kinds of fun things. He comes on command, he spins, he sits, he high fives, he jumps over my legs, he does he, he's just funny, funny, awesome and very chatty and lovey and rubs all over me. It's like a totally totally different cat. And they're loving it. You know, they're they're like, "Wow, we really bonded a lot more closely with our cat because because he's been socialized and because of the clicker training. So there, those those stories are, are heartwarming
2: as well. You know, that's uh, I think Mr. Stripes is a really cool story, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I, I've seen the work that you've done with him and for him, and really to take him from where he was at, he really does a great job with you, and that was that is a good story. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about you know, the most touching cases you've had?
1: Well, I had one um, this year. In fact, I I got a call from a lady that that needed help with a cat she had just adopted. And the touching part of that story was she adopted a four-year-old cat that had lived its whole life in the shelter. And the cat, you know, was being very, um, you know, obviously shy and and hiding in the home and any noise was startling it and things like that. And, and she just wanted to provide this cat the best environment possible. And, you know, hadn't had a lot of experience dealing with, with trauma in cats. And, um, and this poor cat, it was born in the shelter and it had been in the shelter for four years. Obviously not, not a South Southwest shelter. The shelters in the South and Southwest are so overcrowded that, There's no way we could house a cat for four years. This was someone in another part of the country where, you know, that was more of a rescue that that cats could live there as long as they needed until they found their home and, And this woman, and I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I hadn't, it was a one of a kind case. I mean, I I love the fact that she had adopted a cat like that, that was so in need and that she really reached out because she wanted to provide it the best environment she possibly could. I mean, that was, that was awesome. And then the other ones is when owners die, you know, and, and, And this is more from a shelter perspective, not from a behavior case perspective, but because, you know, I kind of live in two worlds. I I work with a lot of people and a lot of you listeners that, that have cats in your home and you want information about how to live better and make them happier, but then I also deal in another world where cats have been surrendered to the shelter for one reason or another, and we have to deal with their behavior issues in a shelter environment. And And when owners die that have multiple cats or get moved to nursing homes and they can no longer take care of their cats and they haven't made provisions for someone specifically to take their cats, and, and honestly, that's hard when you own five cats, but- Here in Santa Fe, these five cats showed up and, um, you know, big cats, obese cats, all five of them, all of them 10 years old, which make them incredibly hard to place and very, very, very shut down. I don't know whether they weren't getting much attention, probably maybe for years of their life because the person, you know, was obviously having trouble taking care of themselves, not to mention the cats. But um, these have been a real challenge for us in in the shelter, and we've gotten two of them adopted. Um, one turned around pretty quickly. Uh, the other, you know, I was kind of surprised that it got adopted as quickly as it as it could. P- pleasantly surprised, obviously. And we have three of them left. Um, two are housed together in the adoption room. They're available for adoption. They're still very, very, very shy, even out of a small kennel with, you know, with indoor outdoor space. They've got a big outdoor patio and they've got a, you know, a large indoor room and one of them just spends the entire time under a blanket in a cat carrier in the room and the other one goes outside into the catio and gets in the highest spot it can get where I can't reach it. I got to go get step stools and climb up there and then it runs from me, you know, and, and it's so hard trying to, communicate to these cats that they are loved and it's okay, you know, it's okay to trust people. We're not here to kill you. You know, we're here to help you. So watching those cats turn around in situations like that, that's, that's very touching.
2: So what about the strangest thing you've seen?
1: Well, (laughs) one of the strangest things I've seen has turned out to be probably Um, one of the biggest successes and I got a call from a lady in, um, excuse me, I have frogs this morning. I got a call from a lady in, I don't know if she was in Michigan or some, somewhere where it's common to have basements, you know, here in the South, we don't have, we don't have basements, but she had a three story home and she had, um, four cats, that three or four cats I can't remember exactly but multiple cats and she was having a urination problem and I was trying to figure out the source of this urination problem you know looking at where they were going and cats outside and she had me you know, we did the consult virtually obviously and so she had me on a laptop and was walking me around the house and showing me you know the cats areas and things like that so you know we kind of addressed a lot of things diet to make sure that that you know, that um, that they had plenty of hydration so that they weren't getting, you know, urine concentration type symptoms and, and seeking other places to go. But she had four litter boxes. They were all downstairs in the basement. They were uncovered. They were all lined up on one wall about two feet apart. And the downstairs was used primarily for her children. There was a trampoline. There's all kinds of stuff. Well, apparently they picked up the trampoline to dust under it. And it was like a pool of cat pee under there. And, you know, the cats were peeing a lot downstairs, which told me that you know, they really didn't like these litter boxes for one reason or another because they were peeing in proximity to the litter boxes. They were not peeing under windows or doors. They weren't peeing by any other resource guarding type things. And so I made a comment to her. I said, you know, you really need to spread the boxes out. They need to be bigger. That was one thing. The boxes were very tiny the litter needs to be more sandy texture. And I said, you know, I was trying to emphasize the point that the boxes needed to be bigger. And so I said, you know, in in a perfect world for a cat, a cat's opinion of the perfect litter box would be like a kiddie pool filled with sand. <laughs> well, I follow up with her like, you know, 10 days later and by God, she has gone out and bought a kiddie pool and filled it up with sand.
2: <laughs>
1: she, said, she said, you know, you said it, I did it. And I was like, well, there wasn't really a recommendation. It was kind of an analogy, you know. And she goes, but it's great. They're all using it religiously. I haven't had a pee outside the litter box since I got the thing. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the long-term plan here? Because surely... You don't want to live with a kiddie pool full of sand in your basement. And she's like, well, I haven't quite figured that out yet. I'll find places to put boxes throughout the house. But in the meantime, <laughs> this really worked. <laughs> I thought that was that was pretty strange and funny all wrapped into one.
2: <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's incredible. So, listeners, just... T- don't always take everything that she's saying <laughs> so literal in that regard. but
1: Or at least ask. Go, Do you yeah. mean that literally? Should I go get a kiddie pool? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, if right. you're not sure, ask me.
2: <laughs> so what are the biggest mistakes cat owners make?
1: Well, I'm going to do a whole podcast on this topic. All right. Because <laughs> there's well, lots of them.
2: <laughs> well... So, then, what's that saying about cat owners? Then, I guess. I mean, if you're going to do a whole podcast on this, what is that really telling you about them?
1: Well, not not that cat owners are all bad per se. i'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that cats are so misunderstood. you know and And that's why I started this nonprofit, and that's why we started this radio show because I thought I knew everything about cats. I thought, you know, I'd been working with them for over a decade. I You know, I, I knew everything about cats. And when I decided I was going to go get my certification and, and be a, a certified cat behavior specialist, I thought, I'm going to be able to just test out of this program. I wonder if they even have an option like that. And I I literally asked. And they said, no, sadly, we don't. I said, I'll pay you the same amount of money. Just let me test out of it because this is going to be boring. Well, it was not boring. And I was shocked at what I learned, and I didn't go into my education program thinking I was going to start a nonprofit. I decided to start the nonprofit about three quarters of the way through because of what I had learned. I I was just shocked at how much misinformation is out there about cats and how much people really don't know, myself included at the time, you know, and I, I didn't know things about their evolution and about their physical bodies and, and how their bodies work and their organs and all that kind of stuff that make them do the things they do. And, and you know, I, I just, I didn't know about that. We all, are cat owners are all victims of advertising and manufacturers and, you know, food manufacturers being the biggest. And, you know, we get our information from that. We don't really have the true story. And I kept saying to myself, why is that? Why is it that we don't know this stuff? Well, part of that is because, you know, there's, there have been very little funding for scientific research for cats, uh, mostly for dogs. And the reason for that is because dog owners spend a lot more money than cat owners. They take our, they take them to the vet more often. They have to buy more toys because obviously they, they, chew through them and things like that. So the funding goes for dogs, even though there are more cats owned in the United States than dogs. And um, and so we don't, you know, the, so little of that stuff is published. And I thought, you know, that's why we do this, is to get this information out there so that you can provide a better environment for your cats. So I'm not saying that cat owners are bad. I'm just saying there's a lot to learn and know. And But some of the most common things that that we do um that that aren't working in our favor you know um as far as a mistake we'll call it a mistake is positive reinforcement when they've done something wrong so for instance like like i'll say well, what do you do when your cats are fighting well i go and i pick them up okay well that can easily turn into attention seeking behavior and i'm guilty of it I, i'm i'm you know, I'm right there with you. I understand how difficult this is. For instance, just the other day, we have a a big utility room and I have a wicker basket that's full of vases and vase filling material. And then behind that are some other glass vases that are too big to fit in this little wicker basket. Well, for some reason, and and then the other thing is we've got a wine rack that sits in front of that. And it's kind of a open wine rack, open to the back front, you know, one with the, the X's kind of lattice shape. Well, for some reason, Pico decided he's going to climb all over the vases. And I can hear my vases glass clacking in there. I'm thinking, oh my God, some of them were wedding gifts. And I'm thinking, he's going to break all the vases. So I go in there and I'm like, Pico, what are you doing? Of course, I'm talking to him and he's looking and he's like, Meop. I'm like, yeah, I see that. You're walking on the bases. Why are you walking on the bases? Get out of there. And so I had to reach in and pick him up and take him out. You know, well, of course, what does he do now? Regularly, if he wants my attention, he'll go walk on the freaking bases (laughs) because I go in there and reinforce it. He gets my attention. I talk to him. I pick him up, you know, even though I might be scolding him about that part it's i got mom's attention so that that's positive reinforcement of bad behaviors is probably the biggest thing that cat owners do wrong
2: that's interesting you know i can remember the last cat that we had was tabasco Mm -hmm. um, who in the middle of the night was scratching on the bed i mean he did that because he was hungry and he would be pulling on the bed and scratching it really hard I mean, enough to really wake you up. And if that didn't wake you up, he would jump up on the bed and walk across your head or walk. He inadvertently knew exactly where to walk on top of you. And he <laughs> so pulled my
1: hair out. He, he, he would, would literally pull hair, sit on yeah. my pillow and grab a mouthful of hair and shake his head like a dog and rip my hair out. It was horrible.
2: And then you would get up and give him a treat just to get him to stop, which, you know, we're trying to get some sleep. And it's hard to, you know, wake up and then go back to sleep when it's like that. And
1: and that's the natural thing to do is, you know, because he would wake me up and it was always at three o'clock. And by then I usually had to go pee. And so I would get up and go pee and I'd open the bathroom door and there he'd be sitting there like he was stalking me and he'd like blocking the doorway and looking at me. And then I'd, you know, try to walk around him and he'd rub on my legs and walk toward the food bowl. And I'd be like, if I don't give him a treat, he's going to just continue this. So I'd give him a handful of treats. So what did that do? That made him every morning at three o'clock repeat the process because it was effective. It was working. He was getting exactly what he wanted. And so we had to stop that. We had to break that cycle. And, um, we did that with a food timer and, um, You know, ignoring, which is the hardest part. But within three nights, we had that completely stopped. He never did it again. And then another, you know, another mistake that cat owners make is thinking that their cat wants a buddy. You know, a a lot of times I get cat-to-cat aggression consults, and they'll say, well, my cat Susie had a buddy, and then Billy died after 10 years, and she's lonely. And I thought I'd get her a, a, a new buddy, and oh my gosh, all they're doing is fighting. Or I'll, I'll hear people say, well, my cat was bored, and so I, I wanted to get it a new buddy. And let me tell you, your cat's are definitely probably bored. Absolutely. No question. And your cat is definitely probably mourning the loss of its of its buddy and the changes that, that it's seeing happening in the household. But getting another cat just adds stress to that situation. So, you know, where's a podcast on how many cats you should have and things like that and you know mostly there's podcasts on how to keep your cat from being bored because there's lots of really great things we can do to make sure our cats aren't getting bored and getting it another buddy is not always the best answer because you know they have not evolved as social species you know they might eventually learn to get along with lots of patients and things like that but are you really enhancing your cat's life by adding another cat into the equation and the answer to that is it depends. It depends on your cat's history. It depends on how you make the introduction. It depends on so many things. So I wouldn't just jump to that conclusion. That thought that your cat wants a buddy is, is probably baseline not true. And another biggest mistake that cat owners make is, you know, shame on the, the retail people, is covered litter boxes. You know, and I get it. I used to have a covered litter box because we don't want the litter all over the floor and we don't want it, you know, it cuts down on some tracking and we don't have to see it. But a covered litter box is, is one of the worst things you can do. It not only, you know, contains and 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 multiplies the ammonia particles in the air in the litter box which your cat is already very sensitive to but it makes your cat feel like it's going to be ambushed when it comes out so in a multiple cat household that's really really important we're going to do a whole podcast on these things though
2: <laughs> sounds like an interesting one okay what are some of the surprises you've been encountered
1: um, the, you know, that on the shelter side of things, I, I, I had a little surprise this last week, there was a, a feral orange kitten, just adorable, and had been on bike quarantine and I walk up to its kennel and it's on my behavior list to work with and it had just come off its rabies quarantine period and I walk up to the kennel and its ears are flat back and its eyes are huge black dilated and it's crouched down in its litter box just barely peering over the top of the litter box to keep its eye on me and I open the door and it's hissing and hissing and hissing and just going bananas crazy and and I thought, well, okay, I put on my gloves, right? my Kevlar gloves, gloves and I thought we're just going to see how much how much fight you have in you to begin with you know are you and I picked it up and it started purring. <laughs> and I thought, well, that was a big surprise because I was not expecting that. I was expecting, you know, extreme fear level. I, I had lots of lick and lap with me, so that if I did pick it up and it, and it was very fearful, I, I was going to make sure it got something really good right away, so that it it didn't anchor me with total fear. But I needed to see, you know, where its threshold was, and uh, it turned out. It was just a lot of a lot of bark and no bite, as they say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've heard you talk about that on a few occasions. Uh, so you do a lot of interaction with lots of different animals. You go to the shelters a lot, uh, both in Dallas and here in Santa Fe, and you know you also do a lot of stuff with Jackson Galaxy, and you interact with other um, yes. other shelters across the country. So tell us a little bit about what are some of the things you've learned.
1: Well, I'm always learning new stuff. You know, I, I I follow all the scientific publications that come out, and I I try to learn, you know, what what studies are showing and and what that means to us and our and our house cats. And I learned something recently that I was was kind of surprised by, and that's the the largest percentage, largest percentage of age of cats surrendered to shelters or what we consider adolescent cats. You know, and I, I had no idea, really. I, I you know, here we're addressing, you know, peeing and, and aggression and destruction when hyperactivity is a huge factor for why people surrender their cats to the shelter. A lot of cats get returned because they just, they can't deal with the fact that you know, the, the cat's pinging off the walls because it's young and it needs lots of entertainment. And that's going to happen until it hits about two years old. Between two and four, a cat reaches its social maturity. Up until then, you know, you've got a crazy little maniac on your hands. And a lot of people just aren't prepared for that. And I, you know, I knew that that was real, but I didn't know that that made up 44% of the cat's surrendered you know and i i thought that can't be right and so i got with the Dallas Animal Services admin people and said hey can you pull some stats for me what's the average age give me you know kind of average age of cats being surrendered over this period and by god it, it supported that so that that was new information and i'll be focusing more efforts on burning off a lot of that excess energy in cats because clearly that's needed and I didn't realize that I'm also surprised you know things that I learn is how resilient cats are you know they can have just go through the most crazy bits of trauma and then with the right environment and the right handling and the right treating of them and interacting with them you know they can really get their confidence back and and really come out of their shells. I'm I'm constantly amazed at how resilient they are. But you know one of the biggest things I've learned through this whole process is how cats are like three year olds. You know they really are. They will do anything to get your attention, even if it's bad attention. You know I have a little kid in the restaurant screams and screams, and you know mom has to yell at it, but mom will eventually pick it up and take it outside. Because it doesn't want to be embarrassed at the table of its friends any longer well cats are like that you know they're they're so much like three year olds in fact the other thing that's interesting is they're they're not just like three year olds they're they're very much like us and I find that human natures and and feline natures are are a lot the same and i'm I'm writing a book about that and um, you know there are lots of things that, that are the same between us and cats. A lot of things that are different. And I certainly don't promote anthropomorphizing your cat. But, you know, like, you want what you can't have. That's, that's a human nature. But that's also a cat nature. It's what makes them curious. You close the door. Well, I got to go behind that closed door because that door is closed. Um, you hide pain. People tend to hide pain because they don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to tell anybody I'm, I'm depressed or I'm in pain because I don't want to talk about that and it makes me vulnerable and I want to be strong. Well, cats are like that too. Sharing spaces. A lot of times humans have trouble sharing spaces, especially households and close households and crowded households. Well, so do cats. So um, I'm writing a book on how human and feline natures are, are much alike.
2: You know, and this is just amazing. All these stories and stuff is just amazing. But before we go, I wanted to ask you a question about some of the amazing cats and people you've met along the way to this point.
1: Well, a lot of, all the cats that I meet are amazing. I I just love meeting my cat clients. And in a lot of ways, I remember them more vividly than I do their owners. <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess probably the most visual amazing cats I've met are, are purebreds because, you know, with a lot of the work I do in shelters, I don't I don't get to meet many purebred cats. And there is this beautiful purebred silver Persian named Jade that I met in Dallas, love Jade, and her mama, Jen. I do remember you, Jen. <laughs> and, and Jade is just like the epitome of what you would anticipate a diva persian cat to be she she's awesome and then you know and the one we met just yesterday little tavi little um baby bengal cat of my neighbors who went over and trimmed nails and helped her with some nutrition counseling and and things like that so i love i love the purebreds just you know i don't i don't personally support breeders i i I do think a lot of breeders are great, but you know I prefer to adopt from shelters, so I, I don't I don't do that, so I don't get to see purebred cats very often. And then, you know, as far as people, well, like you, Doug, who suggested this episode, are awesome. We have such awesome clients. Doug actually has amazing peach trees, and left left us out a box of pe- peach tree peaches once, and uh, gosh, that was just that was wonderful (laughs) so we have lots of amazing clients that you know give every time we're raising funds and and donate to the cause to to keep us going because you know we have bills too and and i like to share things with clients that can't afford it you know i like to the the you know, the customer with the oxygen cord, she can't afford to buy the right kind of wand toys and bowls and food and things like that. So I, I like to keep people like that in with the right supplies so that their cat's lives are enriched. And, and you know, I can't afford to, to always do that solely out of my pocket. So it's great. And then, of course, producing this radio show is is not free. It's free for us to sit here and record it. But then we want to get it out there on a platform where we're reaching a bigger audience. That's not free. And so there are a lot of expenses to running this nonprofit. And I think my clients are amazing when they step up and, and help us in this effort. So Yes.
2: Yeah. I uh, have to say that also. And thank you to all those that have done that. And that kind of leads us to the end of this episode, and I tell you this, these are always fun because you get to hear something a little bit real. You know, I mean more than a little bit real. It's always real. Uh, I but, didn't make any of that up. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't mean it in that regard. I, me- I meant in, instead of it being something out of a, you know, education and more about things that you learned. This is a real true story of how that affects people. So I misspoke in that regard. But, you know, these episodes are fun. And where we can share stories, we love to share stories. I do, anyway. And I hope, you know, we can do something like this again. If you have any suggestions or topics, please email molly at cattalkradio.com. And that's Molly at cattalkradio.com.
1: And be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. Check out the blog on my website, catbehaviorsolutions.org or cattalkradio.com. You can get there from there too. And um, and that's good. And like I said, I'll post the funny photo of the outdoor cat sitting outside when we do the, the promo for this. So check that out. I'll post it on Facebook and and Instagram. So check that out.
2: You know, also, if you've learned something from one of our podcasts, please consider sending us a gratuity donation. Any amount helps, as we talked about before. It helps. Thank you very much for those that have. If you would, please send us a gratuity donation. Uh, This helps keep us on the air. You know, as we mentioned before, it does cost a little bit to keep this kind of thing up. Uh, these are free podcasts, and we're not charging for subscriptions. So show us some love in return, because we're going to keep doing this as long as shelter, shelter euthanasia, euthanasia is, is the number, the number one, one cause of death in cats. And, cats.
1: <laughs> and we're just, uh, so suck at that, but <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> we keep all crying. right,
1: everybody. We keep
0: Until next time, keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at CatBehaviorSolutions.com. That's CatBehaviorSolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.